Welcome to another episode of Roll or Die. We like to bring you the OGs on this show and we have for you uh, one of the most OGs that I know anyway. He's a pretty young guy, but he has been around the scene for a really long time. One of the stalwarts of Australian Elite Team and uh, proud to say he was one of the first coaches of my kids, uh, Michael Tomei. Thanks for joining, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, definitely OG if you look at my hairline. Uh, <laughs> I, can but, um, I don't know if my years quite reflect my hairline, but we'll see how we go. <laughs> Actually, it's well, not personal. Like Kim, I, I say rock star a lot and no one says OG more than Kim. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, now I'm getting good because you call everyone a powerhouse or a rock star. Yeah. So now, okay, I'm not allowed to call anyone an OG. That's just going to cut my vocab so in half Michael, Michael is a powerhouse rock star OG. Let's just let's just. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I got the trifecta. Yeah. You have. You really have. Brother, yeah. Yeah, the, the only, the, I usually see you when you're competing, man. You just always seem to be, you know, doing the good... You, you know, you're on the good shows and you're always, you know, getting about, you know, people love to have you. You're an exciting match yeah. for people, man. How do you tell us about the comp- competition stuff, man? Do you, uh, do you enjoy yeah. that? Um, uh, do I enjoy it? Mm. Um, I, I like uh, testing myself. Um, if it wasn't in jiu-jitsu, it would probably be in something else. Mm. I, I, um, I compete in jiu-jitsu because I have a lot of love for my team. Um, and I guess maybe because I'm one of the OGs or whatever, but I always wanted to set an example for the rest of my teammates. Um, and Ninos, my coach, always kind of put me in a position as a leader in the team. Um, so I took that pretty seriously and it's kind of become habit more than anything else. Like if there was a competition, I would be, I'll be there with the boys um, trying to set a good example on how to do it. Uh, hopefully do it well. Um but even, you know, on the days where you don't perform, at least you rock up and you, you know, represent and not just myself or my team, but I think jiu-jitsu or, or the um, Australian Elite team in general. That's brilliant, man. Yeah. A brilliant approach. No, that's awesome. And so tell us, like, there's times that you're saying then where you kind of don't want to compete, but you still do anyway. Uh, Is that what I'm hearing? Or Yeah, I mean, not? it's not so much like want to compete or not want to compete. Like we have like a, a running gag among some of the um, some of the guys that I've been with for like, say, the past 12, 13, 14 years, whatever it is. Like none of us probably would have had like jiu-jitsu as our first choice. Um, I fell in love with the team on day one. Um, I kind of saw the vision um, of the Australian elite team, what Ninos was trying to do. And I fell in love with that. Um, like, I, like I like playing video games and stuff like that. Um, if I could have been good enough at those, I probably would have pursued that full time. But I think that's a, that's a harder barrier of entry to get to the top in that. Um, You're a little bit early. Like that's happening kind of now, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. And honestly, like I, I enjoyed training, um, like I don't dislike it, but I was never one of the guys who was like, oh, I love jiu-jitsu. I want to dedicate myself to jiu-jitsu. I think organically what happened was it was a bunch of guys and girls that we really loved our team. We loved hanging out. Um, I would go there to socialize and be around people that I respected and I looked up to. And the byproduct of spending a lot of time together was that we ended up, you know, doing all right in jiu-jitsu. And, you know, like it, I think that happens pretty organically. If you're in a good place where you're happy, um, where you're nurtured, where you feel safe and um, like uh, not just your physical health, but like they're concerned about your mental health and your um, 
your performance isn't indicative of how you're treated, you kind of end up just um, getting better as a result of being there day in, day out. Um, mm. And before I knew it, I was a black belt. And now it's like 10 years on as a black belt. And it doesn't really feel like that long a time. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Years like as a black belt. God, I feel really old now because I, <laughs> I didn't think it was that. How long have you been doing jiu-jitsu? When, when did you start? Um, I started, I think, 2008, around then. Yeah, I was like mm-hmm. 17. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but, yeah, turning 18. Yeah. So yeah. just on the end of high school, um, mm-hmm. trained a little bit inconsistently at the start. But then, like, after I graduated high school, I trained, mm-hmm. I trained pretty much most days at AT. Um, like, Nina got me my first job there, like, teaching, like, kids' classes there. And, um, I taught at a few other places, but predominantly have been at AT for that whole time. Yeah. So does that mean you wow. like get your black belt within four years or something? Is, is, are you one of those? That, that right? sounds going to add up. Yeah. Uh, you guys going to going to report me to the IBJJF? Or, <laughs> no, like, uh, no uh, man. Like I'm the opposite. I'm going to get my black belt within forty years, right? But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think in those days it was um, a little bit less strict about the time. That yeah. you on each belt. Uh, yeah. I think maybe about five years ish. Yeah. Amazing, I was, man. Yeah. Um, like I, again, I think it was like, yeah. Yeah. Similar, similar, I think, in that situation. I think Jiu Jitsu was a little bit different then as well. Mm. I don't know. Sometimes I go like some of the blue belts, they know more than I knew when I first got my black belt. It just feels yeah. like, like we kind of substituted technical knowledge for quote unquote having heart and you just yeah. kind of would push <laughs> through any any yeah. situation you know cut sick go harder you know those were the mantras of the day um and yeah. they served us well like i think we developed like thick skin competitively or um like i guess some of that school of hard knocks mindset mm-hmm. um definitely carries on now when i compete um you know pushing through adversity and whatnot but um yeah i think it was about five years to my black belt and I was actively competing throughout. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I never didn't um, at at least win my divisions in the belt at Pampax before moving on to the next belt. So yeah. usually I'd kind of do one Pampax as a belt, and then the next one I'd be the next belt. Yeah. Um, and then it's great. Yeah. I'm yeah. Oh, look, there's no disputing your standard. Like, I don't think yeah. however long it took you, like, that's irrelevant, really, because you were definitely <laughs> yeah. dominating in those yeah. competitions. That's yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Well, how do you, how do you go now? For, oh, sorry, I cut you off. I cut you yeah, off. no, I do okay. Yeah, I mean, um, we had the Nationals a few weeks back and I won my division. I felt pretty comfortable. Mm. Um, I find with competition from the start, uh, maybe this is like a mindset um, that I got from my coach, uh, I always felt like it didn't really matter if you went better than the guy that you were fighting at the start of the fight. The goal is to be better at the end of the fight. So wow. I think having a good work ethic and and um, taking the time in your role to see what they're willing to teach you about themselves and how to beat them. I think in most jiu-jitsu competitions, um, like my style is always, I'm a slow starter. I feel everyone out. Um, and they're going to tell me what I need to do to be able to perform in that situation. And I if I can it. learn as fast as they can teach me, I can do well. And if I'm a bit of a slow study on the day, maybe I don't perform. But 
I, I think that's yeah. the beautiful thing about jujitsu, you know. Okay, so let me just let me just rephrase this right because this is deep and no one's ever said this. So what you're saying to me is a match in a competition is a lesson. Okay. Oh, and it should be, yeah. Yeah. And the teacher is the person you're fighting. And the person you're fighting is get, if you're a slow study and you can't do it in time, you're going to lose the match. But if you can learn the lesson in the time, no matter how slow you are, if you're better than them by the end of the match, you're going to win the match. And that's what matters. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I mean like my style of jujitsu is I want to position myself to be able to learn from my opponent. So it means that the, the things that I'm offering them have to have some kind of feedback that I can learn from. Uh, mm -hmm. So like, I mean, it's um, pretty apparent if you ever watch me compete, like I play um, like a, a loop choke leg up type of game. And I started playing with a loop choke because I felt like my dominant hand on someone's collar, I can learn a lot from them. I can learn from pushing, pulling, mm. having a high grip, having a low grip, having contact or not no contact with my actual knuckles i'm information gathering just by my position and then they're going to teach me what's going to be the effective way forward yeah. i don't think you have any better teacher in life than your enemies um but in jiu-jitsu you don't really think of them as enemies outside of that they're posing problems for you to solve mm. um and and that's the best learning experience and, and it's just being open and receptive to it that's awesome man that's do you need to get that? <laughs> no, no, it's all good, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess what you're saying, like, are these the sort of things that are going through your mind before you compete? Because, I, I mean, as someone that has competed at the highest level in Australia and done so well, it would be remiss of me not to ask you about what your sort of psychological thoughts are or what, what's your process before you compete? What what goes through your mind? Yeah, I am... Um, I... I try to be as pragmatic as possible. And what I mean by that is like, I don't get nerves from competition because I'm very rational about what I'm going and engaging in. Mm. Like this isn't a fight for my life. Um, this isn't something with very dire outcomes either. Um, it's something that I enjoy doing. And I, <laughs> I coach uh, my students or my training partners and I, and I simply say like, sometimes nerves are justified um, but even if they're not justified, they can be rationalized. Um, if you're nervous, typically you're nervous if you're facing the unknown or if you're involved in something that you're not comfortable with. And in competition, you should be doing it because you enjoy doing it and you know whether you're prepared or not. And if you feel like you're prepared, you can discredit those nerves that tell you, uh, you know, this is unknown because it is known. Mm. I more or less know most of the moves. Sometimes someone will say a technique uh, and I will go, oh, yeah, sure. And I've no idea what they're talking what about. The but that? Yeah. In, in the role, I more or less know most of what we're doing. And I think after three to six months of training, you know 90% of everything you're going to know technically. I mean, you haven't developed the sinew between your moves to connect them. But I mean, th there's nothing that's going to be like, oh, I've never seen that before. Um, so realizing that, I find it actually quite difficult to be nervous. But my approach for competition is, you know, like... I I go all right if if it's typically I do adults um I've been finding it harder and harder to find anyone at my weight in adults so I've done masters once or twice now that I qualify for that 
Thanks, Kim. <laughs> now um, that he calls, hey, we're way ahead of you in age. Yeah, yeah. Don't be, don't I'll see you in Masters <laughs> 4, brother. Yeah, please. Uh, and then so. Uh, on a purple belt. <laughs> I don't think I made the cut. Uh, but, yeah, like I look at how much how much time I have and I try to break down that, that amount of time into like an information gathering stage and then like a feeling out stage and then like asserting my, my will after that if, mm. if possible. And I think mm. my advantage in that is like, I'm typically not the physically strongest guy in my divisions. So mm. I never had the luxury when I was coming up in my training of asserting my will early mm. on in a fight. Like mm. I, I have pretty good puff. Like I've always been thrown around a little bit and I could always last the length of the fight. Um, but um, because I could never like force anyone into a triangle or an armbar or anything, I needed to take the time to learn how they would let me win. And if someone's going to teach you that, like, you got to be patient. Yeah, mm. not everyone. Yeah. Some people hold on pretty tight to that kind of knowledge, but everyone's going to have tells or or tendencies or or preferences. And by learning those, usually by learning what people like about their game, they're going to teach you what you can exploit about it. You are the first person who's ever talked about an opponent as a teacher. I'm very clear about that. I'm loving it. I love this whole analogy. I also love that it's not about the start of the fight; it's about the end of the fight. Oh, this is gold for me, man. Yeah. A real gold, real gold. Yeah. Um, so your gym, right? You had a gym and you don't have a gym. You passed the gym on. What was its lesson to you? What did it teach you? <clears throat> uh, I mean, I love teaching. Um, I realized a few things through like great raising my students, the students that I had and the time that I spent with them. I found mm-hmm. um, like I personally don't really enjoy um bothering with a technique too much when it comes to teaching like I like to give people a couple of tools in seeking out what they want and my thinking behind where I put my hands or feet um my thinking behind like retention of guard or or ways of pressuring um I have to teach technique Uh, as a coach like you kind of have to teach technique whereas like now Nels has put me in a really good position where I can teach like a class or I can make it more theory-based and focus on what I want to do um, but with my gym, with my students, um, I, I found coaching is, again, maybe this is just the way AT does it, but so little to do with the jujitsu and so much to do with just the connections and the people. Mm. Um, uh, like it's a very, very big emotional investment in that regard. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I loved every second of it. But um, what I found was I had a couple of students who were excellent um, who I thought should do their own thing and be teaching and just purely added loyalty and dedication to me that was sticking around and, and staying. And, and I made the decision, like, I mean, I'm still kind of in my heyday. Um, and I could do it all again if I wanted to, but like one of my students who I felt was very deserving, who's a little bit older than me. Um, I felt like he could take over. Um, he could do a really good job. And so now that's strapped down uh, M9A in Ravenhall and he's doing a fabulous job. Wow. Um, and, um, so I handed the gym over to him, I guess, when he got his black belt, like as a bit of a um, graduation present. Oh, my um, God. And then uh, now I get to go there. Gym. As, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I get to go there as just like a little bit of a debutant celebrity type of situation. It's kind of nice. But okay. I mean, all of his students always treat me as their coach and all of my students that I handed to him treated him as their coach. And it was just the relationship that we had in the gym. Mm-hmm. And 
it was a testament to the fact that he was a leader in the gym, supporting me, teaching whenever I was off competing or, mm-hmm. and so like by rights, they were always treated like his own students, even when they weren't. Wow. And so it just organically happened pretty, pretty comfortably. This is amazing. That's awesome. We've had yeah, I try few... to go there as much as possible um, just to support him and to just to, to, to continue the training. Um, but um, yeah, it's really nice. Brilliant. We've had a few other AET um, guests on and I, I asked pretty much all of them this question and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts around what is it about the culture of AET? Can you tell us a little bit more about, I mean, you're obviously quite close with Ninos. I, I believe, you know, it's a lot of it just comes from him, yeah? But can yeah. you tell us what, what you think about it and why is it so much that way? Well, like... It's not to say that we slacked off in our training and then somehow found ourselves to be successful because I know we definitely worked hard. I definitely never felt like I was working very hard under Ninos because I think when from the start you're made to believe it's yours, um, from day one he would always teach us like like the reason I called it AET is because Australia is a country, the country that we love. Um, elite is what we're aiming for and team is it it's yours like it's not the ninos demo show it's not the michael tome show or anything like that it's just for all of us um and from when we were white belts we always felt like it was ours and for that reason i felt happy to put it on my back in the period of time where competition was i guess a little bit more vital to the success of the gym and we really needed to perform to to prove our, our medal or you know, to carve out our own corner in the jiu-jitsu community, Mm. you felt happy to put the whole weight of the team on your shoulders or on your back because it was yours. Um, And then, yeah, like I met Ninos. I was a young man. Um, He he was, um, you know, young as well, but like in his 20s, um, had a young family, um, was like a pillar in his community already, a very respectful man and a very respected man. but he kind of was for me the blueprint of like the kind of guy I want to be when I grow up, the kind of dad I want to be around my kids, the kind of husband I want to be one day, you know, all of the kind of, you know, the, the quality of, uh, of, of a person. And it just so happened that his jujitsu was excellent, but I didn't know, like, how are you going to know? You just rock up at the first gym that you rock up to. Yeah. I mean, even if, they're not that good at jiu-jitsu. They're going to give you a hiding. Like when you're a 16, 17-year-old kid jumping into them. Yeah, how are you going to know? Yeah. Uh, so I was lucky in that regard that like we stumbled on a land, uh, like on a gold mine. Yeah, um, a landmine. Yeah, landmine, yeah. Some say landmine. Like, like whenever I get on his nerves and he wants to um, try and me, then it's a landmine. But outside of that, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, like it wasn't like, there was particular preferences or anything he treated all of us like that and it's really um it's really a wholesome environment where it didn't matter if you were doing well in competition it made no difference to him Mm. um like he's so so big on culture in that like if there's anyone bad mouthing anyone else in the gym like if tomorrow i started talking about someone he'd kick me out that day like he won't accept it from any of the guys whether it's his best student or or anything like that he's like you know, if we're going to say that we're a family and if we're going to live like that, we'd better live like it, you know, like he, he doesn't. And I think this is something that um, I tried to emulate with my students. It's actually a really gross quality that people use terms like that to market where if you're not going to live like that, 
Don't say. Don't call it a family. Um, Yeah. 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 And like what that means is like, I mean, people don't know all the stuff behind closed doors that he does for us. Um, And then you don't feel like an authentic person if you don't try to emulate that, you know, like the amount of students that, you know, if they can't afford, he looks after them. So then when you have your own gym, you go, man, if when I was down on my luck, my coach was doing that for me, how could I not continue to do it? Sure. Uh, So now he's got X amount of affiliates under him and the black belts have spread out across Australia and, and, I think a lot of us have carried that with us to some, some portion, and it's brilliant. Yeah, it does all right. Yeah, it's great. And, and back to um, yours. Sorry, sorry, I'm going to jump in, Anton. Sorry, yeah. if you don't mind. I know we normally take it in terms of questions, but row. it just Go leads exactly yeah. on from that. Um, you mentioned a lot about family, and I mean your brother and sister both. When I was coming up, they were also very heavily yeah. involved in jujitsu. Was that as a byproduct of AET? Like, did you start off and? go home and like hey you gotta come to this place it's amazing or yeah so the way it started was first my um my older cousin um george he said hey um like you're you're like a pipsqueak mickey you should come to jujitsu and so my brother was going anyway and then like from the first day george was like oh the coach ninos you have to be very respectful he'll break you in half if you don't say if you step out of line like he put like the fear into me i was like oh all right like (laughs) What, what am I getting into? Like, I just played soccer for like eight or nine years growing up. Like, like I'm used to just like rolling around on the floor, hoping to get a yellow card or something. Getting <laughs> um, your legs blown up. Yeah. yeah, just pretending I've been uh, massacred. And then like, I, I walked up and like, he just like, this guy and just ran. I was like, oh, Michael, I've heard so much about you. And he just gave me a big hug. And I was like, oh, what? That's not what I was expecting, you know? <laughs> um, and then. Yeah. And then my brother started training then. Um, my um, uh, my mum was a bit reluctant because I was always a little bit um, delicate. So she didn't let me start training straight away. She thought I'd get hurt. Um, and I moped around the house for a few months. And then eventually my mum said, all right, just to my brother, just take him with you just to get him out of the house. Um, so I started training. Yeah. With my older brother started a little bit before me. And my cousins knew Ninos just through like their church community because Ninos initially started the gym just out of the hall of the church. Um, and so, and then we moved to a few different places. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was like, we kind of knew each other um, or we knew about the gym through family who knew about it just through their church community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I got my sister in on it just um, I thought it would be good for her uh, and it was good for her while she was doing it. Uh, but, then, you know, she stopped when she had her first, uh, her first child. And my brother, he's um, very busy, but he continues training. He's a brown butt now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just a place where we go just because it's home, you know? So even yeah. if we're busy, like you make time for it. Awesome. That's yeah. brilliant. Sorry, man. Okay. No, 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 it's fine. I'm glad you asked that question. That was, that was a good one. Um, I was, I was hoping to switch it back to your personal jiu-jitsu journey again because like after you've been around for as long as you have doing as long as you have and you've come from this kind of poor harder style and there's a lot of technical like the white belts are also technical now with youtube and everything yeah. else let alone you know other black belts etc what fascinates you about jiu-jitsu nowadays what do you focus on how do you keep evolving what do you what, what are you working on um so like as far as the way i train like my goal since I got my black belt was just about stripping it back like as much as possible to not be married to anything. Like I found 
um, maybe because I come up quick and I never got to settle on any of the belts that I was on. So like competing as a purple belt, I was the first purple belt in our team. Um, like my first competitions as a brown belt, I'd never touched a foot before. Like there was, you know, I'm competing in a competition where people could go for submissions and I wasn't a hundred percent around them. Um, I think the first time I went for a knee bar was in a competition, I think Pampax as a black belt. Mm. Um, it was the first time I went for it and, and I got it. Um, but wow. it was, um, yeah, really touch and go with that. Um, and so I was really kind of committed to the techniques that had seen me through to have success in those kind of competitions leading up. And then like my goal since getting my black belt has been about stripping that back um, and not to be married to any one idea or thing and just to really be receptive to the to what my partner is or the person I'm rolling with or training with or whatever, what they're offering me and what's available. Um, what I've lended to in that regard is like, I get a lot of like loop chokes now. Um, a lot of triangles and arm bars and stuff still kind of happen organically. But when I play guard, I get a lot of loop chokes because I find that it's a position where I actually can learn a lot about my opponent and the way they move and then it organically happens. Yeah. Um, as far as my training goes, I think because I started off a lot, maybe a lot smaller than a lot of my training partners. And then I kept that mindset, even when I filled out a little bit, um, I never, even though we trained very hard, I never was a very muscular fighter. I never had a lot of tension. Like my goal at the end of every session was like, I don't want to have more fatigue in any part of my body. Like okay. I make sure when I'm gripping that I never over grip. Like I make it a point at the end of class to check have i overused this or overuse that and if i have i make adjustments or modifications like with the, a lot of the guys like i'll stop their role if i see they've got veins in their hand and i go the guy wasn't even trying to break your grip like why are we over gripping mm -hmm. um and because of that um, my body's been good i've had a lot of longevity in the sport relatively few injuries i've picked up a few um i think most of my injuries were kind of um like kind of picked up before jiu-jitsu or like um, not directly from jiu-jitsu but um that's a, i guess a part of life part of yeah. growing old um yeah. or older okay. um but i think because of that because of my approach um i've had a lot of longevity in the sport um mm -hmm. like i don't feel physically worse than 10 years ago when i first got my black belt i probably feel maybe a little bit better right um as far as what i'm working um really uh like I think it's got been a continual project, but it's just about like mindset behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I'm really never satisfied with if something works, I just inherently go cool. Um, mm. If I can't replicate it or if I can't explain to myself why it works, I'm never going to be able to help my training partners um, like uh, exceed me. And that's been my goal. I think at least for the past four or five years, it's, for the next group of black belts to step on my head and then leap for, leap for the next level, you know? Yeah. Uh, and for me to be a platform for them to do that, I've got to be the best I can be. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I need to be able to explain what I'm doing. I need to be able to break it down for people that are at all different types of technical levels. Mm. Um, that kind of takes up most of my time. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So it's really about evolving your understanding so that you can pass on the knowledge. Like that's where you're at. You're, you're, you are embodying the teacher, basically. You've always been, obviously, but you're really taking that on now.
Yeah, but it's not as selfless as it sounds. I think that's just my way of promoting, <laughs> like pushing myself further as well. Okay. I've always felt like the way I learn or the way I grow is I need to sharpen myself against the best possible like adversaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to make make your own. I think that's a good thing in Jitsu. You can kind of create your own hard work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so by pouring myself into my teammates, I'm in turn creating people that will truly challenge me. So I don't hold anything back from the guys I work with. I teach them every single thing I'm doing or I tell them what I'm thinking when I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have to exceed that person, like the person that I try to create them to be. Mm-hmm. I have to exceed that to be able to um, improve myself. And, and that yeah. is an endless cycle in Jiu-Jitsu. Love it. And it's, it's the opposite of the way Jiu-Jitsu kind of used to be. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I've only ever trained under Nino. So I just know this, you know, right. like, and right. everyone at AT, we just got open hands. Like yeah. I, I never have had to pry a technique out of someone or if mm. someone catches you or something, they, they're super keen to tell you what they did or how, how they got it. Or yeah. uh, that's my experience of jujitsu. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, my, my question, I think you've kind of already answered this, but you mentioned about how, when you first started, you were a bit smaller and, um, you know, you didn't have maybe the physicality behind you of what some of the others did. Would you have any advice for our listeners, for people in that same situation who are a bit smaller, who aren't the biggest mm. physical specimens on the mat about how they can survive, especially through, you know, those early white blue belt stage, it's terrible being smaller. <laughs> and um, and what? how do you get around it? Is it more than just the culture of your teammates? Like how, how do you survive that? Yeah, so like if you've got people that are trying to, like go out of their way to make an advantage or like to put those kind of people in their place. It's not a great learning environment. Um, I never experienced that. Um, people are always pretty good to me. Like they, like, I mean, you've seen like Demi or whatever, like they put you through, they put you through like a washing machine, mate. Like, and that's all good. Like, it's like, they're not trying to hurt you with subs or anything, but I didn't want people to hold their punches when it came to pressure passing or, you know, stacking to, you know, especially like if you're like myself, maybe a little bit more of a flexible guard player. If people aren't trying to physically stack or pass, I'm not really getting an authentic representation of what it's going to be like when things get difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I typically advise is like, I really try to set as small and um, controlled a goal as possible and work towards that goal. So like for me, what I found was, say working guard if they're a lot bigger and they were smash passing or or just like kind of flipping me over my head and i'd go all right the more movement i create can create where my opponent um doesn't have a chance to exert their strength on me the better off i'm going to be in that situation so what i would typically do would be like all right for today i'm just going to set myself a five second rule which means my feet cannot be on the same spot for five seconds and then in the background while I'm doing my training, that's my constant goal. And they don't have to be clever foot placements. I, they actually don't have to be better for me. As long as I'm getting in the habit of constantly moving, constantly changing my grips. Like in the gym, I count it as a big personal shame if anyone breaks a grip. But I never hold a grip tight. I have to be able to read if they're going to break a grip. And then I have to, of my own accord, move it to a better spot anyway. Because yeah. them going to break the grip... <laughs> is uh, information for me that this grip is one compromised or two could be better served doing something else. 
and and by getting in that habit you actually stop someone before they get started more often than not and so like i have a lot of people that kind of stand in front of me not passing my guard and they go it's really frustrating because we know we shouldn't be standing in the pocket but it's like we can't get the first step and it's because i'm just running my hands and i'm running my feet and 90 of what i'm doing is wrong i'm not making progress but they don't have to know that they don't know you know like uh, you just create the confusion and in amongst that confusion, you start to develop uh, logical patterns or sequences of movement, foot placement, hand placement that are better or that that tend to have a better desired effect. And against each opponent, different foot or hand placements or grip combinations are going to have different effects. So mm-hmm. I'm one, stopping them from putting pressure on me. Two, I'm learning what's working against them. And three, I'm starting to develop a pattern that I can use to exploit whatever they're doing defensively. And and then just kind of organically, it, it happens that you've dealt with someone that's maybe a bit bigger or a bit stronger just through following that pattern. Um, the, the worst thing you can do is go head to head. And I, I often see that in the smaller guys that they get real defensive in that in that sense and they try to like push through or, I'm okay getting thrown around. Like my goal, if I'm playing chess, is to take the king's head. I don't care if I lose my queen and two bishops. Like, like it's all superfluous, you know. Like we have a very specific goal. You want to work towards that goal, man. Yeah, I'm a, a little I, bit I, of what I'm thinking. I'm coming down to train with you, bro. I'm super inspired <laughs> by the stuff you're saying. Like seriously. And I'm, you mentioned chess, so yeah, Anton is there. Coming. I'm all yours. Chess Lord. Yeah, seriously. I, I feel like I could learn a lot. I'm sure our listeners are going to feel like. Some of the stuff you're saying just makes so much sense. It's brand new stuff I've never heard in my entire life, man. So I'm just, I'm all I'm of it makes sense, Anton. What are you talking honest. about? It, it all makes sense. It's yeah. just you know what, Anton, as well. It's like, like I, I said it to Ninos once. Like, like people like Ninos, like maybe there's Dimi as well, like David Yunan. Like I think they're like geniuses, pretty much. Mm. They get stuff super quick kind of they decide on something and it happens you know Mm. technically or physically or i'm slow man like i don't get stuff super quick Mm. i don't i don't Um, think so if you got your black belt in uh, a pretty short amount of time that's yeah yeah i mean like i know within myself i'm not i'm not quick to the punch i take a long time to learn lessons Mm. so i always want to be in a position where i can learn as much as possible Mm. against every person i train with and like i train with some really tough guys I've rolled, let's say, Thomas Meso 300 times this year, mm-hmm. let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, every single time, he has to teach me what to do. Every single time. Because I'm just, I'm still, after 15 years or whatever in jiu-jitsu, I'm not comfortable that I'm just going to be able to, like, dominate this person or assert my will or whatever. So every time I roll him, I go, what am I going to learn today? Maybe he's going to have a slight tendency towards one side. Maybe like he's got a bit of a Charlie horse in his right, in his right leg. And so through the patterns, I'm starting to notice that that leg is starting to dip. And then maybe I'm going to Dalheaver on that side to increase the pressure on that side. Like, I don't know. So I'll take the time to learn. Like there's some people that are like geniuses in sport and they don't need to take this long, mm-hmm. but I try to teach for everyone. And mm-hmm. so when I teach my students, I go, I'm just going to assume that you're as slow as me and you need to take as long as me. So let's take the steps to learn how to win yeah. because someone's going to be willing to teach you, you know, like every role, they're going to be willing to teach you what's going to work and what's not going to work. 
but you've mm. got to be willing to learn. Like, and sometimes it's painstaking and sometimes it takes its time, but it's always going to benefit you in the long run. Amazing. Uh, and you're always going to benefit from like, even if you don't win that round, but you're going to benefit from learning like the, like the muscular pathways or like your muscle memory will develop learning from trying to um, perceive or keep an eye on what they're doing and, and learn from it. Brilliant, man. We've got one minute, 38 seconds left. Is there anything you want to say to pass on to anybody else? Anyone you want to thank other than us, but that's inherent. Thank you very much for having me on, on guys. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, you want to come for a role more than welcome Anton or anyone like AT has always been um, very open and friendly um, as far as people want to come and cross train. They don't need to leave their gym and, and swear servitude or anything like that. Just call us up, come down for a role. I think the nice thing about jujitsu is that um, you make connections with people and um, like friendships that last a lifetime. Um, mm. I probably wouldn't be doing it if that wasn't the case, eh? Mm. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. No, fantastic. Well, thank you so much again, Michael. Um, we'll have this out in a week or so. If you could share it, that would be fantastic. And, um, yeah, pleasure. look forward you to are. seeing you soon, either at a competition or down at, at uh, AET headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. The Rockstar yeah. Powerhouse OG Michael Tomei. That's you. <laughs> thank you very <laughs> okay. much. I appreciate it. Thank See you so you, much for having me, guys. See you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Bye.